Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. It is Wednesday, May 29th, 2019. There's a television show on Showtime called Billions. And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to talk a little bit about the television show Billions. Now, here's the key thing. If you're in the industry, this is not for you. I'm going to skip over a lot of things that are uh, not going to, well, be exactly precise. In other words, this is for everybody else out there. So there's a lot of folks that are in the business and they could quibble about this or that. I want to make it so that's understandable. Now, Billions is a show supposedly about money, right? It's about being super rich and on Wall Street and all the shenanigans that goes on in the mega money world of hedge funds. Okay, But really what it's all about is it's about power, it's about greed, it's about a lot of different things. But what's really cool about billions is the fact they work in so much real life things into the show. And that's what we're going to do today is we're going to talk a little bit about billions and kind of help blend in and give you some perspective that you may not have otherwise gotten. And when we're done, this is actually going to be a two-part podcast. Uh, this first one's going to be kind of like the setup. And the second one is going to be some real details and words that I hope that if you'll take some notes and kind of get a handle, you go back and do some binge watching, you'll go, oh, okay, I actually get it. Light attendance, please prepare for takeoff. Connecting Dots is sponsored by Fixed Cost Financial, the home of fixed cost investing. Break the mold and embrace the difference. Now, for most people, listen, you know, understanding some of the terminology and things that are being said, it would be like uh, doing the history of surgical instruments in Saudi Arabia, right? I mean, most people, when it comes to their taxes, they freak out. If it's just a little bit more complicated than the easiest thing in the world, you tend to go to tax preparers, right? Because you need an expert. Most people, they fantasize about money. They really don't have a good thorough understanding about it. And that's okay. Um, so the key thing is, you know, what is really going on here? Some of these people look like they got their act together, then their others are hopelessly lost. And so half these traders in Wall Street are, uh, you know, they, they view themselves as the next billionaire on billions. And you've got a lot of different psychology and <laughs> psychos going on. The dynamic between Axelrod and, again, Wendy Rhodes, the psychiatrist who is really a coach and counselor and performance coach at Axe Capital, really is the fine art of balancing egos and keeping everybody, again, working hard. One of the things in the financial services industry, you may have seen a lot of men and women, big homes, fancy cars, lots of trips. And so there's a thing that, you know, in the real world, debt inhibits growth. But in the financial services industry, you want to keep your people in debt and always buying because they have to produce more. It's a hunting industry. You know, it's always when there are commissions involved, you're just constantly hunting as opposed to farming and building up a steady block of business. I got news for you. In the hedge fund industry, you're not interested in farming. This is hunters, okay? This is the real deal here. Now, what's also interesting in Billions was the introduction uh, last season or two ago of Taylor Mason, the new trader. 
and uh, is played by uh, Asa Kate Dillon, uh, who is, according to Investment Movie Database, the first gender non-binary character on television. And so uh, she prefers to be called they or their, but not her. And that was an interesting aspect of it. But in the real world, you know, in Wall Street, that is a very unusual character. And of course, in the television show, Billions, you see it as a really unusual character as well. So when you sit back and look at it, what are we, what are we looking at here? Well, it's kind of like a modern version of the television show Dynasty from many years ago. Now, the issue in Dynasty, it was very easy to understand what was going on. Same thing with uh, Dallas, the oil, the Ewings, the land, pretty easy. But when it comes to, again, billions, there's terminology, there's things that are going on every day that people just don't get. You know, for example, you might have remember the scene where they put hoods over their faces so that there's plausible deniability that this this super criminal, anti-social self-indulgence, eating something that you should never eat, it can be denied. I've had several people say, what was that all about? What was the thing with the hoods? It's so good. It's so, again, out there that it's illegal. Think of it like this. <laughs> Think of it like cannibalism. You're eating human meat. We don't want to know that we actually did it. Nobody wants, you know, I, I didn't see it. I couldn't say it. So you put a hood over your face. It's just, that's the kind of crazy behavior that some of these people have done. Okay, with that, I'm going to drop in our quick disclaimer. We do it for 30 seconds, and I'll be right back. Connecting dots is for educational use only. Investment performance is not guaranteed. Past performance is not indicative of future results. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs. Nothing should be construed as an individual recommendation. Due to our extensive holdings and that of our clients, you should assume that we have a position in all companies discussed and thus a conflict of interest should be assumed. Yeah, and always assume that we have a conflict of interest. We have a very large number of individual holdings held by clients and ourselves and myself in particular. So if I talk about a company, just assume it's a conflict of interest, okay? It's just always a safe thing to do. One of the things that uh, is really interesting, I, I really enjoy this, is the manipulation coaching by Wendy Rhodes. And one of the things that we're going to tie this podcast along with the follow-up and then another one about uh, Tony Robbins and his fall from grace. And we're going to kind of do a couple of podcasts that are all going to be together. Boy, we probably get some hate mail and, and hate calls on this, but... Years ago, back in 1987, I had the first chance to work with somebody who was really big into this positive mental attitude stuff. You know, years ago, there used to be Dale Carnegie, and you had Napoleon Hill, and you had uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People, all those kinds of books. And then Tony Robbins came on. Tony's about a year or two younger than me. And, you know, he, he had some really cool things. He kind of like updated stuff. And, of course, he's got this gigantic uh, Easter Island head, and he's a big, tall guy. So he's larger than life. And, again, he comes across very, very, again, larger than life. So I had an opportunity to actually be in a study group. And because of the nature of what we did, you know, keeping a positive attitude, et cetera, that was really important. And so Tony Robbins has kind of always been part of that. And so when you had Wendy Rhodes, a very quiet, demure, but very strong person keeping these guys and gals on track, I thought, wow, that's really cool because I've seen that. Uh, just like, for example, back at the uh, Tampa Police Department, you had a on-staff psychologist after you had a shooting. You were supposed to go in and talk 
talked to, I think it was Skokal, Dr. Skokal. Um, they always gave me the opportunity. Do you want to go see the shrink? No, I don't need that stuff. Um, but the bottom line is some guys did, and that was always an, a, an important thing. And you're seeing the same thing with Axe Capital. Some people need to have ongoing psychological counseling and discussions. And one of the things in this business you have people who are managers who are not coaches. I mean, they're motivating people. They want them to get ahead. Don't no bullshit. And so that's what is so cool about this show because this is the real world. I mean, you have you know you have acts, and uh, he wants his people to produce, uh, find it, kill it, sell it, keep moving along, make them make the margins. And then you have Wendy, who supposedly is keeping everybody happy and centered and everything else, but her goal is the same thing: make money. Now, when you had John Malkovich come in uh, as the Russian oligarch, that was really cool because one of the things that I will tell you, that is an issue that you have to deal with all the time. Many, many years ago, uh, there was a uh, drug investigation that went down the Polk County Sheriff's Office. Can't give you any details on it. I was out of the law enforcement business, in my business, got a phone call, and money needed to be invested for an individual who was cutting a deal by way of the feds and the states and the local. They wanted to make sure that this person was taken care of for the rest of their life. And I got the call to do the investments. Now, here's the thing. Um, it was legal money. It was from the federal government. But I had to get a hold of everybody up and down the chain of command and say, look, this is what's going on. Calls were made. And under normal circumstances, you wouldn't touch it. It was like dirty money. No, it was government money to take care of somebody who was flipping. Now, when it was all said and done, I got to tell you, I did not want anything to do with this person and made damn sure I didn't do it. And I instantaneously said, I'm not doing that kind of stuff anymore because you just don't want to deal with people like that. I don't care even if they're, they've turned a new leaf. They're, they're cool people. But I mean, the compensation was phenomenal, um, completely legal, ran it by everybody, even hired my own attorney. Are we fine with this? And I was like, yeah, man, this federal government is giving this person money in order to flip. It's is Are they paying taxes? Yeah, they're paying taxes. Well, then it's legal. Well, it just sounds dirty. It is dirty, but welcome to the real world. So that kind of stuff, not interested in that crap. But that's one of the reasons why when John Malkovich came on, I thought, man, this is so cool because I could relate to that. Why, uh, what's the story here? The story is pretty simple. You got to be careful who you get in bed with. I don't care whether it's physically, emotionally, intellectually, relationship-wise, business-wise. You got to you got to profile people. Now, always remember here at Fixed Cost Financial, I, I say this all the time. We don't have friends here. This is a professional, fiduciary-based relationship that we have going on, and what we're doing is we work with partners, associates, and acquaintances. I'm not going to get into the details on that, but you never do business with friends. Now, what's cool about billions, and I've said cool a couple of different times, is that unlike like games, Game of Thrones, I think I watched the first one or two episodes, bored, I'm out of it, I'm not interested in this thing. All the blood and beheadings and the nudity and gymnastics and public shenanigans, I'm not into that stuff. Billions is truly a show where it's language-based, you, you have raw emotions, and again, it's more intellectual, which is unfortunate Unfortunately, Showtime may not bring it back for the next season. I think we're in season four, season five, whatever. 
because the ratings are starting to drop off. Why is that? Frankly, it's it's one of those shows where it's not as good this year as it has been in the past, but you still have things in there like people, why is why do people wear the vests? Why do you have these guys, the 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 Asian uh, guys that are very uh, demure and, and the Indian guy who is very subservient. I mean, they've nailed the profiles. The stereotypes are just, frankly, you may not like it, but they're absolutely hilariously true. Now, the show de- debuted in early 2016 and what was not known by most people rank and file is that it was heavily marketed to finance professionals. In fact, even the Wall Street Journal had um, the content. They, they produced a studio and like a mini website for the show's launch. So there was just a whole lot of different things. They had a thing called Gaming the American Dream. It was a short story of hedge funds and how the managers worked and how they like to spend billions of dollars in the leveraging. But the marketing and the marketing packaging, the marketing was just phenomenal, this thing. I mean, it's all there is to it. Now, what was interesting about, again, this show, because it debuted in 2016, is that you know, it takes years to pull these kind of things together. I mean, this was not something you just like, oh, off the top of your head pulled out. Because remember, the basis of this thing is they, they basically take 911 and go forward and how Axelrod made money, supposedly inside information, knowing that that 911 was going to happen. Boy, if that doesn't, if that doesn't make people go... I mean, that's just a taboo topic. You know, you can't talk about that stuff where people freak out. Oh, you're one of those conspiracy buffs. But here's a damn TV show that's based around that. But here's the key thing. Again, what happened is the show is about post-2008 when everything falls apart. You would think it would be easy to like just rip people up. I mean, you know, you would say, okay, we're going to do a show on, on Wall Street. Well, yeah, we're going to we're going to destroy the masters of the universe, topple them from their public pedestals. We're going to trash them. No, they did it completely different. Um, yeah, it's ostentatious wealth, but they went after this from a aspect that you know the every man rich guy type thing. I want to be that guy. Yeah, I want to do that. You know, from owning a pizza shop to being a normal kid to being wow, this massive powerful dude's got a family. We know that Axe's family and the wife are out now. But, you know, going from being an underperforming manager to being, you know, just this massively knowledgeable, powerful, winning person. Here's the thing. A lot of people want to do that kind of stuff. They, they may say it, but actually doing it's a whole nother thing. When you're involved in startups, when you're involved in technology and Silicon Valley fi- uh, fan base and entrepreneurs, employees, I got to tell you, there are some really captivating types, but these deal makers, the putting things together that they portray, I mean, it's, it's intoxicating in many regards. Is this the real Wall Street? Is this everywhere? No. Most people that are involved in Wall Street, especially these off-Wall Street types here, advisors, agents, bankers, brokers, and financial planners, all they are is marketers. They're just salespeople. 99% of the people in the industry are just carnival barkers selling somebody else's financial product. They don't put portfolios together. They're not actually buying and trading. They use turnkey, I call it turkey, Turkey uh, third-party asset management platforms are called TAMPs. 
So again, what they're showing is like inside baseball. They're showing the realistic stuff. I mean, my God, the drinking games. I've seen that. Holy crap. It's just hilarious. And, you know, the vests. I'm not going to get into what all the vests are about. You can read about that on your own. But it's just kind of interesting. So now the question you might have is, does Bobby Axelrod actually portray some of the traits of successful hedge fund managers? Well, he's calm. He's cool. Occasionally he blows his stack. He's very calculated. Yeah, no kidding. This is the way it's done, boys and girls. Everything's an investigation. You're always looking to try to figure out what's going on using both the quantitative and the qualitative analysis. That's what trading's all about. So that part of the series is actually pretty damn accurate. Again, for some people, it's about money. Other people, so it's just the love of the business. One of the interesting things is when, I guess, last season or whenever it was, again, when you have, always remember me, time begins to get very fuzzy with me. I focus on what's going on now, pulling things up that I need to know, and stupid details I just don't care about. So season one, two, three, four, I just, it doesn't mean anything. It's the storyline that I will, I pay attention to no matter what it is. So the storyline is when Axe was no longer able to be the chief executive officer. He's the founder. There's a lot of chaos going on. And that's when Taylor Mason comes in. So from a, a real life view, okay, showing the uncertainty in the conference rooms, the employees, they're like trying to figure out what's going on. They need clarity as the direction of the firm. That's real. I mean, that is real. In reality, you would have had some people absolutely leave the company, no doubt about it. Nobody did. Now, we know that Taylor moved on, took some people with her, caused a lot of problems. And of course, the storyline has gone that direction. But that stuff happens all the time. What you need to do is people change and move from one broker dealer to another. I'll be right back. So what I said, people move from one broker dealer to another. There's a lot of times you, you know, oh, hey, I'm going to this broker. Oh, I'm going to that broker. And you, the guy, guy wants you to move their accounts. Most of the times that's because they want more money. Somebody's going to give them a deal. They're going to give them a big payout. A lot of times it's over personality clashes because you have to remember the BS in these broker dealer shops is all over who's making more money. Oh, he's got a title of senior vice president. Doesn't mean he manages anybody or knows anything more than anybody else. It just happens to have a couple couple of good years in a row, so they gave him a fancy title. Most of these people that get titles, again, it's just based upon production. So, you know, one person gets hurt, they came into business at the same time, somebody's doing better, they move on. Now, the investment decisions in the show, they're quite plausible. I mean, for example, the analysts going into and talking about chip manufacturing and dominating Internet of Things, well, that kind of stuff, that's, you know, we talk about that stuff. Looking for game-changing, disrupt, disruptive uh, investment uh, theses, yeah, that's all drawn from real life. It's from the Wall Street Journal. It's, it's, it's the real deal. So since the first episode, I can tell you, I've been a fan. Uh, pretty good, top-notch writing, although uh, Andrew uh, Sorkin, I don't know if this season is as good as it has in the past been. It, the storytelling is is loosely based upon Pete Brana, the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, and his battle with a fund manager by the name of Stephen Cohen of uh, SAC, SAC Capital Advisors. Now, I'm not going to get into all the details of that. That's an amazing story that we could get into. But the key thing here, it's all about quantitative and qualitative analysis. Quantitative is the numbers, okay? The qualitative is the intuition. In other words, it takes both the experience of knowing what's going on and having the tangible and intangible facts and figures. Mm -hmm. 
So one of the things I get a kick out of is seeing the complex relationships between the quants and the others. Okay, so the quant team is driving decision-making through pure analysis more than intuition. Now, the intuition, that's never good, but if you're out there cultivating intelligence and getting facts and figures, it's, you know, again, that's really what happens. I call it sniffing dirt. For those of you who have listened to the podcast in the past, especially clients, you know, I talk all the time, you got to get out there and sniff the dirt. Oh, that's my way of saying you got to do the qualitative analysis. You go out there, get the facts and figures, and then you get the feel for it. So you need to maximize your own data. You need to be looking for the gold. And again, one of the problems in the financial services industry, and for those of you who are not, it's information overload. You know, X, the same thing I say, look, just tell me the damn probabilities, a high probability, because they're never going to be ever going to be absolutes. Okay, that's one big thing. Everything is about thinking in terms of bets. Now, we're not talking about gambling, but the probability analysis, strategic thinking, looking at the data, making decisions, and crunching the numbers. Now, the key, crunching numbers is one thing. Any computer can do that. You know, for those of us who are mathematically gifted, it's not a big deal. But computers, technology, no, it's called thinking and connecting dots. Hey, guess what? This podcast is called Connecting Dots. So one of the things, the Petrero principle, you know, the 80% of your business comes from 20% of your customers. That's true. Okay, that's, that's absolutely true. And so one of the things you'll note in these hedge funds and in, again, billions, they're looking for that one or two big deals that just completely blows everything else up. And that's how it works. So, for example, you'll notice that Axe is out using the telephone. He's talking to people. He's meeting with people one-to-one. I do exactly the same thing. I meet with people who I think are influencers, people who not only will become clients of our firm, but people who will actually drink the Kool-Aid and say, man, what you're doing is really cool. Fixed cost financial. Great idea. Fixed cost investing. Holy cow. That's a great idea. I want to get out there and tell others about this because I think it makes sense. Yep. And those who don't, I'm not going to spend time with you. So the key thing is he is taking care of those who are referring business to him. He's taking care of people who have a lot of money with him. He's taking care of people who are loyal to him. He's not going to waste his time on people who waste his time. That is some of the key principles in, well, frankly, billions. Oh. Now, you got Taylor Mason, you got her quant approach. Uh, it's a very interesting dynamic. Same with Wendy. And, uh, but his wife, again, acts uh, I, I never cared for that character. I'm glad she's gone. Uh, we're very limited. The kids didn't add anything to it. But what's really important here is the thing loyalty, okay? Um, you, you can't cut one without the other, whether it's business, family. If there's no loyalty, you got to get the hell out of there. And that's one of the issues that we're seeing in the most recent episode with Wendy, with Axe, again, with uh, Axe's new uh, girlfriend. Again, everybody in the show, you just drill down the segments, you drill into the customer data. But there are some things that this show does that we talk about all the time here, such as Bobby, big bets on big idea. Now, here's the thing. I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. You are not going to go out and be the next hedge fund manager. If you're over the age of 25, that ship has already passed. 
Okay, You're not going to now get into business. This is something that you had to start practicing for, learning and doing when you're probably 15, 16 years of age. You had to start getting yourself into that mindset. Yeah, there are people that get into it later in life, but this is a whole different approach. Law enforcement, for anybody in law enforcement, one of the best training to be in the investment world is to be in law enforcement because you're constantly doing investigations, solving problems, and moving on to the next thing. I'll tell you right now, I've always said this, my master's degree in street, okay, as I always call my years as a law enforcement officer, and I did a lot of different things. I didn't just drive around in a patrol car with a uniform on. You know, one of the things I've always said in my, my two tours as a street any crime officer and being upstairs in the detective bureau or being over in a selective enforcement unit and vice, I mean, all those kinds of things, those prepared me more than anything else for what I do. You know, a lot of people equate law enforcement with military, totally different, or FBI. FBI, those people do not think by the seat of their pants. Actual real street cops, those guys are the and gals, those are the best people out there because they've got to solve problems right now. They got to get out there and do it and keep on moving as opposed to, again, the, uh, the FBI, which I have no use for, the, for many of these guys. I know if you're listening, God bless you, but you go out, you do something, you come back to your supervisors, whole Mueller investigation, all of the, you know, everything that's gone on, going back to Jagger Hoover, you just taint your mouth, you just go, Bleh, these guys. So the politics, just you hate the politics. But cops aren't political, okay? Sheriffs are. Sheriffs are political. Cops aren't political. If there's good civil service and you're protecting or doing a job. And that's the thing that, again, you see that Bobby is tight with cops. He's tight with firefighters. And uh, the big thing is making big bets and big ideas. So we talk all the time about Bobby. Bobby is a big thing. But guess what? Bobby doesn't mean it's strictly money, okay? Bobby can be running a trash hauling company, could be running a lawn maintenance, it could be doing home health care, it could be doing whatever it is that you're making serious money. That's what Bobby's all about. We're going to wrap this up in a little bit, but the interplay between hedge fund managers like Bobby Axelrod and the regulators who are trying to bring him down this cat and mouse thing. Hey, here's the thing. I get it. It's fun. It's cool. I've seen people do that kind of stuff. Not interested. The amount of money a person can make if they just play it legal is fine. But here's the key thing. The lingo that's used in this show is really something else. And there's no doubt that they have got some really good people who really know how to use this uh, quasi-legal investing world language, and they've got it down to a science. Now, this will be the wrap for this episode. It's kind of just a little fun thing I've done. I'm going to get into in future episodes, maybe the very next one or two. I don't know exactly how I'm going to lay this out. I'll make sure in the show notes and in the title, it'll say, you know, billions, part one, part two. But the uh, key thing is, you know, I guess the bottom line is simply this. When you have a hedge fund, it's a very high risk, unique vehicle. It's very speculative. Um, you you have to give something to get something, but if you give up too much, you're not getting much back, you're getting screwed. So to wrap this up, if you're paying assets under management and somebody basically is a relationship manager, you're getting screwed, okay? If you have somebody who's using a third-party asset management platform, they're not doing any of the buying and selling. They're just simply serving you whatever the soup du jour of the day is, you're getting screwed. If you're paying more because you have more income or more in 
investable assets, you're getting screwed. Now here, again, we're going to talk in the second part about this, how hedge funds screw over their people on a regular basis. We'll talk about who should and shouldn't be in hedge funds. We'll talk and kind of pull it all together. But um, it should be interesting. I think we've kind of beat this horse. What do you think? Oh, stop talking. We're done. This concludes this episode of Connecting Dots. Thank you for listening. Please visit our sponsor, Fixed Cost Financial, the home of fixed cost investing, at fixedcostinvesting.com. That's fixedcostinvesting.com. We got love that will never need to hide. Love will always rise above. Whatever comes, you will be just fine. If I am yours and you are mine. Take my hand and let's fly away to another galaxy. Hold me close, I want to feel your love. Together we are free. Just be with me. Just be with me. Just be with me. over our heads and at night we'll be the stars we can go any place that we want to i don't care if that's too far take my hand and let's fly away to another galaxy hold me close i want to feel your love together we are free just be with me, just be with me, just be with me. All rights reserved. Reproduction prohibited without written authorization.